Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 41 of We Could Talk About This All Day Long. I am Lauren, and I'm here with Kathy, my co-host and good friend. Hi, everyone. And we have two special guests today. We have Deb and Sarah. Hello. Hello. <laughs> and Kathy, do you want to just start us with how you know Deb and Sarah and why they're on today? I do. So many moons ago, I lived in the great place of Boston, all over the city, actually, Brookline, Jamaica Plain, and Jamaica Plain was the home of one of my favorite places I've ever lived, 87 Robinwood Ave, right? And in that home that I found, thanks to Deb, because Deb was dating at the time a co-worker of mine, Deb and I hit it off. I needed a place to move into because my wonderful housemate was getting married and moving on. I move into Robinwood and I will say life in Boston changed. I lived with amazing people, members of a band. Deb at that time was a music manager. And then in moves Sarah. And Sarah and I, I remember feeling like we were a few years apart. I was a little bit older. Not a lot anymore, right, Sarah? The gap is closed. But I remember feeling like we are kind of separated at birth. <laughs> we had weird humor that just tangented well together. And uh, anyway, so to answer your question, Lauren, Deb and Sarah are long time, just dear family of mine through the century kind of friends and family, I would say. And we have gone through years of not seeing each other. And in this past season, I have gotten to be with both Sarah and Deb here in our beautiful hometown, or not hometown, but beautiful town of Bellingham. And it's just been wonderful to reconnect. And so we thought, let's do an episode on music. And I just couldn't help but think of the days at Robin Wood Ave and yeah because we've been talking about having an episode about music and then this came together yeah. because you were like these are the people that I have the most music memories with yeah just a lot of roots in music yeah um so Sarah and Deb we usually start our podcast with reading our little teabag message um I think I'm gonna go first this time because Kathy, we were chatting before this, and I think this is very apropos. It says, you are the master of your judgments, your decisions, and your actions. I love that. Yeah. You're the, I'm going to, can I edit it? Yeah, no master. No master. Unless you're the creator of. Ooh, I love that. I thought you were going to say goddess. We can say that too. <laughs> yes. I love that. Um, how about Sarah? Want to share your tea? Oh, you want to hear what my tea says? Sure. And I thought it was very funny coming from um, the Buddha teas, which I'm drinking a fourth chakra tea today. But on the back, it says, I wish I had a British accent. <laughs> <laughs> which Kathy, I know that also loves. And I did used to love to talk in a British accent. I did go to London and in, yeah, my last semester of 
or my last year of college. So I, I did kind of follow that kind of dream of like, I think Monty Python was the inspiration behind that one. So anyway, long story, um, British accent for me really think, I think of Monty Python, which is like one of like a big branch into my sense of humor. <laughs> well, Sarah, we welcome any visitation of a British accent today. <laughs> I have one, but it's like in a made up country in the UK. So <laughs> it's not London or the East Village or the East Side, whatever. I don't know parts of London, but I will say if it comes out, it's its own little country. <laughs> <laughs> don't try to identify it. <laughs> okay, um, Deb, what about you? Well, we, we did a creative a creative teabag and it turned out to be let's light fire for the world. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I just came from a cultural world, cultural crafts fair. So it feels, I, I'm feeling the beauty of creators all over the world um, making beautiful things, even in times of darkness. So it feels apropos. Yeah. yeah. Matthew? Mine is your inner gift, your inner self is your inner guide. Mm -hmm. Also, you feeling it? Apropos. Yeah. Apropos. 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 right then. <laughs> this is pure silliness, and that's what we also could use some of in some of the darkness right now so yeah thanks for being with us sarah and deb uh we're also beaming sarah and deb from the chicagoland area that's where sarah okay. is a performance artist and i do would love you each to just tell a little bit about your lives in just a minute and what you're up to and deb beaming to us from not in Boston, but near Boston. So back on the East Coast, Massachusetts. And it's great to all be together. Yeah. So, yeah. So because Kathy, Deb, and Sarah are going to share a lot about their time together, I'm taking on kind of like a little interviewer role today. Um, but yeah, first, let's start with just who are you? What are you up to right now? Just briefly. Uh, Sarah, do you want to go first? Uh, sure. Yeah, I'm in Chicago, where I've been for 20 years now, which is unbelievable to me. Um, because before that, I was kind of just kept moving around. And yeah, Robin Wood was a short but a very impactful time in my life. Um, Jamaica Plain, that whole area, and like the times we had together definitely shaped who I am. Also, the music that we were listening to, I think, was one of the reasons I ended up uh, going to Seattle um, because Nirvana was a thing and we were we were following all those bands and Kathy was the, actually the person also who loaned me the book um, uh, it was a Tom Robbins book and I can't remember which one it was now like even Cowgirls Get the Blues maybe or I think it was still Life with Woodpecker what was That's actually the one. first I one. remember it yeah. I, it was my first Tom Robbins. And then that lit me up for Seattle, basically. It just did that to me. Um, but then, you know, being back and forth in a lot of different ways, I um, in 2003, I came here to Chicago and to go back to school 
to get an art degree and I've just been pursuing that passion for years before that but since even more um, with a professionalism in mind and just really um, yeah going for it in all kinds of different performance art genres and including music which has been slowly creeping up on me for years but um and I think started also there at Robin Wood Lane with, um, we'll talk about that later, but uh, I actually, yeah, in the last few years especially have been very, um, taking up music very seriously and it's just opening up a place that I feel like, you know, really started in my childhood, but just took a long time to blossom forward. And so, um, yeah, I'm really lucky here to be in Chicago with tons of amazing artists and musicians and, and just people that are really into experimental arts and so that's kind of where my world is and um, most recently started teaching uh, dance to children so that's also a huge like change in my career kind of like just teaching in general but to, to children and dance and it's, it's just really precious so that's kind of my life right now thank you for sharing that um, and then Deb, you've been on before, but remind us who you are and where you are and what you're up to. So, yeah, so I'm probably, I'm still in I'm the OG, still in Boston <laughs> area, right? I have never really moved on like uh, Sarah and Kathy have. Um, I moved out of JP to, um, see, I moved out of JP to Somerville and then to now I live in Reading, which is where I've lived for, gosh, 20, 25 years now as well. Um, and I, yeah, I, I lived in this house with this rock band, the regulars and my, the head of the band, Peter was a friend of mine from Buffalo, New York. We grew up together. We had a very interesting and similar past. So we were kind of, it was, we had this sort of weird little like sibling, almost, um, like we're on this journey together kind of feeling. And the band decided to live together in this amazing house with a rehearsal space. Cause it was built into the wood, into the bedrock. So there were six bedrooms eventually, one, two, three, four, five. And then we turned the dining room into the sixth bedroom. So it was always full of people. And um, when when Kathy moved in, it was, thank God, because we were it was me and a lot of guys for a while. And then Linda came on and then Kathy and then Sarah. And that was probably the funnest year was when we three were, to, you know, able to really enjoy the experience of all the music um, Joel was also living there, although not a uh, part of the band, a musician in his own right. And I, I'm just remembering sitting in the couch and that wall of CDs from all of those, all of our collections all put together in one place. And there was, I don't know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them, I think. But um, so anyway, now I, I, I don't have anything to do with music business anymore. I worked in it for a while and um, now I, I work with my sister and brother. We run a consulting firm and we do a lot of uh, collaborative process. So we help people learn how to collaborate together and how to use really good inclusive process to do it. And we teach it, we use it. And um, and I'm, I'm kind of trying to figure out how to retire from it. <laughs> That's where I am right now. It's like starting to unwind from that and look at the next phase in life. Although a couple of years out, but it's it's complicated to unravel from a family business so it's going to take some doing so so cool to hear about all the creative energy that you're able to tap into Sarah I think that's amazing I still have um something you made that it's your a ceramic nipple do you remember <laughs> you made this? <laughs> like when we were in Puerto Rico for Gerald's wedding I got yeah. 
Yeah, I still have it very much displayed in my collection. I, I probably display art more than I create it. That's, I'm a collector. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you, Deb. Um, and Kathy, can you tell us how you got to Robinwood? And also, can you tell us the time period about? Yeah. Well, we were, I mean, candidly, we're trying to figure that out. But I think I moved into Robinwood probably 1990-ish, I'm going to say. That would actually make a lot of sense because, so I lived in Boston. I moved there after college, which would be 1986. Figure that math out. And I lived with a friend. We'd gone to the same college and knew each other, but not, and we knew each other definitely and had it fun, but we were more, our circles touched versus like being in the same circle. And anyway, but had a, wonderful time <laughs> a lot of laughter living with each other and then she got married meanwhile at that time I was working for a big Boston bookstore which my brother happened to own in those days and one of the best parts of that bookstore was the staff so you know I just that was my social life and through one of the staff Rick he at the time was dating who but Deb and like a month or two like it was very quick and it not a the great thing that came out of it was i mean if i may say deb was yeah. our friendship i don't we must have all gone out one night next thing i know deb is saying uh we need a roommate and i was like i need a place to live and i've been living with one person and i have to tell you it was the best moving in with a band so <laughs> I had a day job okay I worked in um for a not well I left the bookstore and I worked for a nonprofit. and at that point I had a day job and I lived with a band I lived with Deb who managed the band and like she said she was in the music industry so different hours all of the roommates you all worked in restaurant and bar world and so I would I mean, this is just one of my memories that tickle me because I love this house so much. I'd take a nap after work and then wake up when they all got home so we could hang out. Oh. But yeah, we're figuring early 90s. Yeah, and like Deb said, there was a wall of music. In fact, I have a faint memory of counting the CDs one morning and counting well over 650. Oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> I mean, it was a whole wall. It was a whole wall. Wow. Yeah. So how did you first connect over music, I guess? Obviously, Deb was managing a band and in the music industry. And then how did you all connect and realize that you were into the same music? We all liked music, right? We all enjoyed it. We would just play stuff and then just really listen to it together and dance and like get excited. Like music was always on, I feel like, or people were always like, ooh, listen to this one. And what about that? It was like always, it was always there, right? And, and we went to shows. Like that, that was the time where people went to rock clubs to see music. You, you didn't just play Spotify lists. You actually went out and saw bands live and you were always looking for the next cool, best, great band. It was such a prolific time of I think creativity so we did a lot of that too 
I mean, really, I would say every weekend night, if not a weeknight, or, you know, every they work, like I said, in the nights, but at least two or three times a week, I would say we were seeing live music. And I was laughing with Deb at one point about this because it's like I had an outfit that was all black. I mean, it just didn't matter. It was like a black <laughs> t-shirt or a black turtleneck, black tights, a black skirt, <laughs> and um, black eyeliner. Of course. And not in a goth fashion, but it was just so easy to get dressed. Oh, what color skirt am I getting? Black. It's like your uniform. It's a uniform. A uniform, yeah. And black boots. <laughs> Is there a certain band or artist or song that really sticks out to you from that time with the three of you? <laughs> or maybe you each just made a whole playlist. Can we talk about that? <laughs> oh my goodness. And it's growing still. Is it? So listeners, yes, they put together a playlist, which we will have in our link tree that you can listen to. Robinwood um, Revival. Yes, Robinwood Revival. So tell us I guess looking through that playlist what each of you what are some of your favorite memories from those songs or artists so many <laughs> so many to choose from all right I'm going to share one that we talked about last time when we were making this list and it's just come back to me like just bringing up Primus, right? Primus and Tommy the Cat. Like what an amazingly awesome song. And I have totally, don't listen to Primus anymore. And I'm like, oh my God, I've rediscovered this. This is so great. But I think we talked about, we used to clean the house and we, you know, I don't know, like, you know, if we rated X or whatever, but we used to do bong hits and we would clean the house and we would listen to music like that. We'd listen to Primus or we'd listen to, um, oh God, what else did we put on? Um, yeah, another song that's been staying with me a lot is the Almost a Politician's Wife by Giant Sand. I mean, another band. So great. Totally haven't, you know, so great to rediscover. But the fact that we three would clean the house and sometimes Linda, because the guys would never do that. But this is how we would do it. We would listen to their music. <laughs> we would get in the mood and we would clean a big house. It was like six people live there. It was a sizable house. So that's just, that memory is very high for me. It stands out. And the music is bringing that back a lot. So those songs kind of remind me of it. Yeah. Sarah, what about you? I mean, yeah, Primus was huge, definitely. Um, Pixies, I felt like, were another big one. Like, we, yeah. I just, I had never heard the Pixies. I think I just heard about them first through, like, living at Robin Hood. And I think about Richard Thompson. And I definitely, by the way, still listen to Howie Gelb from Giant Sand kind of a lot. Like, I am still fascinated with that guy and Giant Sand, who my friend Jen always called Big Dirt because she thought it was <laughs> funny I like what was that bad big dirt and it was just such a joke oh, I remember that. yeah so like these are like and I think about um yeah I mean like even Soundgarden and Pearl Jam like those out were just coming out and we were really into them um but Tommy the Cat was definitely we were always trying to memorize that whole opening intro and in fact Yesterday, I was spotted. Spotify does this thing where you can go and see just all the lyrics, you know. And so I'm like reading the lyrics, and I'm like, some of these were like some of this way we were making, you know, it's still not even right, but we were like, you know, doing our best. So funny. 
Um, but yeah, the this list is like really been great to listen to and to like kind of just remember even that whole time, like, yeah, going to TT the Bears and to, um, what was the other one we decided? It's the, the um, rat. The rat. Oh, the rat. And yeah, for sure. The Middle East. And the Middle so, East. That's the one I was thinking of that even recently I was, uh, but I just remember. So in Baba Ganoush and then go rock out. Yeah. <laughs> in that basement spot. And like, I, I still can like be there. It, it's really, uh, yeah, it's really cool to like go back to those memories. Mm -hmm. what about you Kathy oh I have to also go with Tommy the cat and to I hadn't listened to that in years and oh man just now I'm remembering trying to exactly learn that opening um that just has put the biggest smile on my face and also taken me back I think to that time of just like like Deb, Deb said, Saturday mornings, I mean, I don't know if we can say it either, but would be made, would be made for bong hits and cleaning the house and rifling through CDs and just like feeling so free. Another one for me is a lot of, um, is Red Hot Chili Peppers. So mm -hmm. um, listening again to Give It Away and the rhythm of his words, like just Oh, I'm that too. I've been like, I think I wrote you two from the stair stepper saying, this is the best song for, do for doing stairs. Um, also one that, um, well, definitely Richard Thompson, who continues to be a big love of mine. I'm going to pull out this one. It's more because I remember a night and that is, um, well, I got a few. Guns N' Roses, Sweet Child of Mine, reminds me of a night where, Deb, I know you were there. Sarah, you may have moved by this point, but we clearly went out for music and we're stopping at some pub on the way home. And who's sitting in the bar stool? Slash. And this was not a, it wasn't crowded. Guns N' Roses certainly wasn't playing at the bar. It was like Slash having a beer at the bar. And I think, Deb, you and I were just like, oh, my God, it's Slash. Like, <laughs> but also remaining very cool, calm, and collected. You remember that? I do now that you say it. Yeah, I, th I think they were in town or something. Like, I don't. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, there was. It was, they were new. They were just sort of coming up. It was a, that whole sub pop era. These bands were playing in small venues all over the place. Yeah. Like speaking of new. So we had the amazing opportunity to see Nirvana and Smashing Pumpkins the eve before Nevermind was released. The Record release party. Yeah. And I remember the next morning getting off the train in Boston, the T to go to work. And there was a big record store called Newberry Street. Remember that? The t which one? Oh, Newberry Comics? Newberry Comics, yeah. On the corner or something. And all in the window was a Nevermind poster. And we saw them. We saw them. Yeah, wasn't it Tower Records or was Tower Records not there yet? Tower, Tower, thank you. Tower. Yeah. Tower. 
Yeah. Tower yeah. was on the corner. Yeah. Newbury Comics was a little bit That's further right. down. My favorite used place was Mystery Train. That's where yeah. I found Uncle Tupelo's cassette. Ah. Okay, those are incredible memories and wild. Um, how would you, so you kind of described how you would go out and how you would dress, but like, what was the scene like in the early 90s, the music scene that you all were in? Like, I'm so fascinated because I feel like it's just so different now. Well, you know what's funny is for me, like, I guess right now my life is like, I still go to a lot of tiny venues and there's a lot of music because just where I am and like, I really enjoy going to a lot of small shows in this, it's like in neighborhoods, but that is my memory too of the nineties in Boston. Like we're in these smaller neighborhoods, Jamaica Plain. It was, it was a neighborhood, you know, um, Somerville even felt very neighborhoody and like the bars and stuff were small venues. Like they weren't, mega this wasn't stadium arena shows we were going to i mean i had been to those already but like already at that time i loved going to these smaller venues so much more and like but like the orpheum theater even like we would go definitely that was a, is a pretty smallish theater for a for a band so it was like these these i don't know i just remember like loud music i mean this is why i have ringing in my ears now still but like <laughs> Oh, they loved it, you know, like the live music. Even was... death in one ear. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> TV's really loud when I'm watching it. My kids are like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I would, I would add that it was, it was a, so I've been thinking this has come up for me a lot, probably because I spent a lot of time in my work thinking about building networks, which came from this time in this era, because my job was to, to promote the bands I worked with and to get people to come and to build that following or to keep that alive in some form or fashion. And so people came and you'd see it would be social. You would see folks, um, the band that lived with us, the regulars who never really made it big, but but they had a following. They, they, yeah. they got to a place where we, they could headline a couple of places and they could have a following and there would be the, you'd see all these people, you know, every time you would go. And it was a very social experience and you tended to see people. You said you, you knew the people who were on the circuit doing, doing these kinds of gigs. And um, so there was a lot more, it was very social. It was very entertaining to have music. It was um, all this sort of, I don't know, alt rock stuff. So it was grungy. It wasn't so clean and perfectly produced. And, and you just had to, you, you, the, it was from the heart, right? These, these folks just sang from the heart or performed from the heart. So there was so much more, I think, exchange of energy. Like I don't, even in these giant stadium gigs, I can't get that same feeling at all. I totally miss that. And I just recently went to see one of the bands that I worked for Buffalo Tom play a show and they still perform every now and then and they it was at the paradise on comab and the plate it was sold out i brought rachel with me my 20 year old and she'd never seen that kind of so show like that you know and it was like everyone there she's like mom they all look like you <laughs> <laughs> they did they all had their like you know north face jackets on <laughs> 
but they were in front of the stage just you know remembering and it was just that kind of show I just don't know if those are I feel like it was an era that we lived through and is over that's how I would say it and yeah everyone wore black <laughs> well Deb you're well you're bringing back something definitely in memory and I think the realization that yeah I haven't had that kind of experience with music in a long time um of really connecting like that to phenomenal music up close and when I say of course physically up close but like Deb said it just came from the heart and I'm not saying it's not out there it's just in bigger shows I think it's hard to connect like that um I've definitely had the experience I'm, I'm sure since then in a smaller venue feeling that but I think it was more the the sense of being together in that time I we talked about here, I think you mentioned the Middle East, which was, it, is it still there? I and think it is. Yeah. yeah. The venue in Cambridge that really was this delicious restaurant on the first floor. So we'd meet there and have, you know, Middle Eastern delights and then go downstairs and rock out. And who I remember seeing there among many and just feeling mind blown is Morphine. Oh, yeah. And that's another band from that time that lasted. Yeah, Mark Sandman, rest his soul. And I got to see them in a bigger venue in Portland outside. And I thought, oh, wow, I'm so fortunate for those nights at the Middle East where we were just right there together. And Deb, you, you're just capturing it. I think that's, yes, I've gotten to see incredible music since then, of course. It's the fact that it felt like a small community. That's what I'm remembering is even if you didn't know everyone, you you had this familiarity. And I think Deb, you being so connected and working in the scene, Deb, you gave us entree to so much, just band after band. You want to come with me and check out this band? Sure. Yeah. What guest list, right? We got on the guest list. That was the goal. And my boss, could you get me on the guest list for the show? <laughs> yeah. How long did you do that job, Deb? How long was that your job? Well, I always had to work at Newberry Steakhouse, you know, waitress and bartender the whole time. So it, it was only the second job, but I think it was, I think it was three years, two or three years, because I went straight from there to law school. So like when I decided to go to law school, I remember as a first year law school going to Tom's, uh, Tom Johnson, who was my boss, his office and helping train the person he hired to replace me. Um, so I worked in it and it was part-time. And um, so I worked and he, he managed Bullet La Volta and Buffalo Tom. And Bullet La Volta was the headliner for that show with the Smashing Pumpkins and Nirvana. But they, they didn't continue on just like the other two bands did. So it was kind of an interesting passing of the torch that happened. Um, but yeah, he, he managed those bands. So I, three years, I think feels about like the right amount of time that I worked with him. Did you feel like, and maybe not for you, Sarah, but like when you left Robin Wood, that was kind of the end of an era mm. with music and that sort of stuff. Well, not with music. Well, I mean, I would music in general. I would say yes, it was the end of an era. I mean, Deb, 
you know, we talked a little bit about when I moved away and there I do, you know, for me, I just like felt this, okay, it's time to go check something else out. But I have reflected, I left something I really loved. I mean, I left, Deb, you were moving on too, because you were going to get, I don't know if we knew you were going to get married then. I met Andrew. But she'd met, who's now her husband. You were well into law school. And Sarah, you had moved on to Seattle a year before me. And I just felt something come up like it's time, even though it was really heartbreaking to leave. Yeah, yeah I mean, I felt like I was just, it was almost like the, when you say the end of an era, like for me, it was almost like the beginning of an era. It was like, because I was also a few years younger than these guys. So like, I had just graduated from college and I was still like, what am I going to do? You know, like, and I had been in Boston, um, you know, in high school and stuff. And so I was like, needed to move on, you know, I wanted to go. And I think um, it really showed me a, a way into the world. Like I wanted to follow my heart also. I wanted to follow my heart and I wanted to follow the music and I wanted to go to a place like, like that had those things. And it was Seattle at that time. It was like, and there was this like kind of a mass exodus there. Um, a bunch of, I moved out there with Joel, but then I ended up running into a bunch of people that I had graduated with from Syracuse who were like, happened to be out there too. And then Kathy came a year later and then more and more people started coming out West. And so I do feel like it was almost like the beginning of this era as well. It was like springboarded us into a, just a, a different part of our lives in this really beautiful way. I love that. What do you feel like each of you took from Robin Wood on your new journey or the new chapter that you launched? Great question. Well, I can tell you this. I feel like I've come, came full circle in all the things that I've done for work and for career. You know, I went to law school to be a lawyer and I worked as a lawyer for like two years. <laughs> I quit being a lawyer. Like it was like, I just wanted, I just wanted to meet Andrew. <laughs> I love but I, I love the, the experience of being in law school. I liked the learning of it, but I went in thinking, oh, I'm going to be a music lawyer. Like that was my whole, I thought this was my career to be in the music business and the lawyer uh, that Tom worked with for his bands had said to me, you know, you should think about law school because I was good at reading the contracts and understanding that stuff. And so I went to law school really thinking I was going to be a music business lawyer. And the more I got away from the, the artists, the less it became as fun. You know what I mean? It, I lost some of the 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 camaraderie of trying to build up the band or to help the local bands or to build up something you know build a career it was kind of it felt a little bit distant and and then I remember I uh, a friend of mine Chuck Arnold who was in the music business I don't know if you guys remember meeting him he was like a he did a he was more of on the DJ but he bought he was another like business guy and he coached uh, youth soccer in Jamaica Plain and I ended up coaching with him for a year and um and having to be around kids and I just it was to me when I was in law school I did I also did it after that for with a different person that I was in law school and I'm like this is who really needs my time you know they're kid there's a world out there and I don't need to put my life into this and and there was a, a kind of a it was a capitalist 
system. I mean, it was a grind. Artists were not treated well back then. They did not have a lot. They fought hard for whatever rights they could get. And it just, you know, and I, I was there watching them feed their musicians with heroin, feed their musicians to keep them, keep them, not the people I worked with, but that was happening around us in the industry to keep them from, from being capable of, of fighting for their rights. So it really was a, I had to leave the business like that. That's how I left. I had to move on and do something completely different in my studies in law and just let it go. But, um, I did. I I loved that era. I, I think of it so so fondly. And now all I'm doing is building networks and helping people connect. And build, and it's a lot of what I did trying to get the regulars. You know, how do we get people to come, make it fun? And it's like those rules still apply. People want to feel that way when they join something. They want to feel connected. So that's it. Sort of stayed with me in a, in a weird way and showing up again. It's probably the most important part of what. I did there that is still here, right? I learned so much about that, people. Yeah. I don't even know if I answered your question. I kind of got a little like memory lane thing there. I mean, I feel like also, well, maybe you should repeat the question so that I make sure that I did hear it, right? <laughs> Just what, did you, what did you take away from Robinwood when you launched into yeah. the era? Well, I mean, first of all, like a sense of sisterhood with people that I don't feel like college, I kind of was like kind of a mixed bag, but I really felt like a closeness with like Deb and Kathy and also Linda. I mean, that I felt like there was like this sisterhood or a family. I mean, and Joel and Peter too, even though like Joel and I ended up dating and then we moved to Seattle and there was a whole nother world that happened, but like during that time, it was such a, yeah, like a fan, a feeling of family. Like we were taking care of each other. We were really like into each other's lives and like, yeah, cared about each other. And we, that for me was like a really, yeah, my first kind of family away from my real family, I guess for mm -hmm. me. So it really feels like, and when I recently saw Kathy this last summer, we had been out of touch for a while. We had been in touch and out of touch through the years, but like, we connected so completely and had such a gas together, like real. And I was like, wow, 30 years later. And that connection is like still so um, close and feels so, yeah, just like we had never spent any time apart, basically. Mm -hmm. So I know those friendships are not every day. Um, so I was like, wow, this is really cool. Yeah. I mean, Family is a really good word. I just thought it felt like a family. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I would say is, you know, we've seen each other on and off throughout the years. But like I said, this since August, being able to see Sarah in August, and I want to just take a minute and go into each of those visits and Deb and her wonderful husband, Andrew, in September. It's like 30 some odd years may have passed and it doesn't feel like it. So for me, it's like, what did I walk away with? Family, familial connection. I always loved music. I mean, I have memories too as a young person. However, I think coming into my own with my love of music and allowing it to be this connection with people, um, and appreciating music, just different kinds of music, open my mind. When I first came to Boston, I lived with 
family. I worked for family. And then my whole world opened up. And I think that's really when I started becoming who I am, which I'm still becoming who I am. Um, but definitely the word connection is like, Deb, you talked about that, Sarah, I know you do as well. And that is just so much the root of who I am is connection. When I got to spend a few days with Sarah, the moment I picked Sarah up from the bus, it, it was like, we are here now in this time frame, but all those years just whoosh, evaporated. You know, our laughter, we'll share some pictures from that and also Deb and Andrew's recent visit. Um, no time had passed. We, Sarah and I danced together. We howled together. We <laughs> ate together, you know, and I just didn't want them to leave. Mm. I didn't want them to leave. And then, but a month later, I get Deb coming through with her wonderful husband, Andrew. And in the first five minutes, Deb and I both were like, gosh, you know, so much time has passed. And yet we still know each other. Deb held my hands and said some words to me. I will just leave to myself and Deb. But the idea that she's never not known me. And it just was the most grounding moment in a while of someone seeing me and knowing me and getting me in quotes and and then we had a wonderful night of catching up like at one point her husband's like I'm going to get dessert and Deb and I are like we're gonna have one more cocktail and catch up and boy did we ever um and again just I think we were together in such a meaningful time of life that we are bonded mm -hmm. It's family. I love the way Sarah said, you said about opening up the, it was like a beginning because I think it, it did. It was like, what would I do if I were to create my own life, my own family, my own world, what would that look like? And, and we were very sibling, like, I mean, I know we had some, you know, we had some dating happening internally and all that, but it wasn't like a, it, it, the care. I think I remember, I remember the care. I remember coming home to that house and, um, being upset about something and Kathy, you and Trip were there and you'd gotten, you had done something else and just being able to talk about it. And it was, it was just a very, it was a really great kind of communal experience. Um, yes, with all the other housemates, I, Deb, you said that, and I remember, and I kind of alluded to this a few minutes ago, but I think what's really stands out about that time is I think it's the beginning when I fully started feeling like myself, you know, like I could just be unabashedly me, mm. you know, you know, that we still work on that through life, but I really felt that way. I felt like I found my people and so grateful that we still have each other. As oh, our, and the bikes. Sarah was a bike biker. I was riding my bike everywhere. We were all biking around yes. in cars. <laughs> and remember the sticker, Deb, kill your television? Yeah. <laughs> that's, I, that's like something I associate Sarah with. And um, oh, man, just so inspiring. And it continues to be. I, I would say, too, Sarah, like you said, it, it was the opening for these pathways that we've each created unto our own and our other housemates have done so too. Yeah. 
And you can't go back, but the beauty is you can be together in reminiscing and in creating new experiences together. Well, it's a nice model. It's a nice model. This yeah. is what this is what it's nice to be in a healthy communal relationship, friendship. Right. That sounds really beautiful. And I can attest to we did a Zoom last weekend just to, you know, talk and get prepped and just the energy and you could tell immediately like the bond <laughs> is not broken it is still very alive and well um as we wrap up are there any last memories or things you want to share hmm. well I'll just I'll just share the memory that the last time we three were together was at a housemate that you didn't live with him, Sarah, but you were friends with him, Gerald, wedding in Puerto Rico. And the three of us figured out how to get there together. And we stayed in a little, like, kind of an Airbnb. I don't even know what it was. Stayed in a little place together for the for the weekend uh, for that wedding. And that was, again, similar. So much fun. Just I mean, of... we got there and Jeb and I, we had fresh babies because Rachel and Ruby were not, I mean, they were fairly new and we could leave them but and Sarah you came in and I remember we met in San Sarah you and I met in Chicago and flew the rest of the way together we met Deb in San Juan and then had a long drive and we were all there probably maybe 36 hours if that 40 I mean it was <laughs> whirlwind I remember getting up at like one in the morning to drive back or not getting up staying <laughs> up <laughs> to go back to the airport and oh, just yes, that connection. My memory's different, but Sarah, I want you to go and then I'll share. I mean, uh, I guess for me, the memory like that I'm still like we didn't talk about yet today, which was when we were at the Halloween party oh, where yeah. we did meet Amy Mann and we had cut out, as far as I remember, we made yes. our own instruments and then we were like pretending to be a girl band. And but people at the party were convinced that we actually were a band and we were yeah. not even the cover that we were like covering a like the faking the cover. And like they were like, no, you're a real band. And we were and then Kathy and I definitely I don't remember Deb as much like making songs, but like I remember Kathy and I making making a few songs that like literally we would sing to each other or like on the bus and like we would like make the songs and. <laughs> So, I mean, literally, I, I felt like this, yeah, again, we were a girl band. Like, regardless of whether we played anything, we were a band. Well, that, you know, here's the proof you can have the same memory is that is the one that stands out is that Halloween. And people were just like, no, you guys were not. And they're like, yes, you are. When's your gig? Sarah said it was exactly that. They thought we were covering, you know, just faking what we really were. And, you know, I remember, I remember, our instruments are real. Do you see that? And, <laughs> and they're like, well, you just didn't want to bring the real thing out. Uh, and then that really became my fantasy, you all, to play, you know, tambourine, tambourine in a band. Um, and I do have fond memories of Sarah and I pouring lyrics out, quite punk lyrics, I might add, uh, on the number 39 bus. Center Street. Remember yeah. that? That came yeah. down Center Street. And um, I have a few memories. I mean, that was my big one. So I'm glad Sarah shared it. I 
you know, those Saturday mornings definitely stand out making the home spotless um, under the influence, but of, of good music and more. And I also remember just in general, our camaraderie, like going, we, none of us can think of the name, but we used to meet out at this bar in downtown that was like a bike messenger bar. And I have so many fond memories not that there was, I mean, I know we were listening to music there, but I think it was just that constant being together in the realm of fun and lightness and goodness. Just, we were so fortunate. And then to keep creating that, to keep working to create that in our lives. Yeah. JJ Foley's. JJ Foley's. And I was so fascinated with the bike messenger world that I fantasized I would be a bike messenger at one point. And like, oh, I admired Sarah's biking skills. And I mean, I knew how to bike, but I mean, she was like a single wheel, like no gears or something or one gear. I don't think I really had a fixie till years later. But oh. I was definitely, I loved riding bike for sure. Yeah. It started then very early. Well, we rode throughout the city. I would ride to work in my grad school. We'd ride and I we walked everywhere. I mean, there was zero, we didn't have cars. There was zero driving. Um, we'd walk like from our house to Cambridge at midnight or one in the morning. I mean, you just did everything on foot or pedal. Yeah. Or the train, you know. Uh, Good days. Well, this playlist we have, yes. which Lauren said we'll put on our link tree so you can all join in to Robin and, and relish in your own memories. Yes. Absolutely. It's an excellent playlist, I will say. It's excellent. I've been listening to it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you both for coming on so much. Thank you, all three of you, for sharing your memories. And it just sounds like such a beautiful time and it still is yeah thank you both for being with us and we could talk about this all day long we could yeah, we could say. be with music all day and night long yes yeah really i really encourage everyone to listen to that playlist for just like every song is like a whole world i feel like because it is like just one song maybe representative of a whole album or a whole you know, where we would share the whole album. Like we, we were into, yeah, the full, full length <laughs> of things. Yeah. Which is um, a different than today, right? Everything's one song, one song. Yeah. Yeah. I do feel like that now it, um, it's a little more, feels like that, but um, yeah. The world of music does I'm Go ahead. So sorry. That's the problem with Zoom and me. No, I didn't want to finish that thought. Oh, just that um, music is just, uh, it's ever evolving. And I feel like even the things that come out now, I'm always like really surprised. And I do, I love how Spotify will recommend me things based on things I like, like already off of this album that I've gotten into some other, I'm like, oh yeah, you know, like it's, it is um, a different world for music. But I mean, at the core of it, I do feel like that's, it is why we share um, just like, Music is such, it brings people together and I continue to, yeah, really love it. So thank you. I was having, when I was listening to you, Sarah, I had this memory come through of poetry books, beatnik poetry, and also Tom Waits, which we put on there, the song. Um, which one? Yeah. 
Nighthawks at the diner. Is yeah. That the one? yeah. Nighthawks at the diner. And that is this vivid memory, Sarah. Now, I don't know if I'm making this one up, but hearing you read um, Allen Ginsberg poetry, am I making this up or did, Deb, do you remember this? Like hearing Sarah recite Allen Ginsberg in the living room or, I don't know. It's not as a performance, but I remember it. Does that sound familiar to anyone? It could totally be familiar because I was definitely, I would still do that. Like I still, I love poetry. I love reading. I, I feel like, yeah, because I was in that world, like very much, um, like I hung out with my other friend that's not here, but Jen Guptill, who you both know, I think through the brewery as well. And a lot of poetry and a lot of reading. And I was just, again, coming out of college, I was just really opening to all that stuff. Mm -hmm. I had had a lot of yeah um that kind of influence as like even in high school i felt like i really came to it at that time yeah. like the full round of the arts like poetry and ly even lyrics like really feeling deeply things that were being said yeah we were just creating all the time in some way yeah, yeah i remember sarah being the creative though the very very creative in our in our space in a lot of different ways yeah I thought of one more question I want to end on, even though we're getting kind of long, but that's okay. And that's just like, how does music continue to impact your life today? Hmm. Well, I can, I'll answer and say, it's still uh, something I listen to all the time. I'm, I, whenever I can, I'm listening to music. Either I'm, you know, going for exercising and listening to music, or I'm, cooking and listening to music or I'm driving and listening to music. So it's a, it's, I love listening to music. So it's a regular resource. And I, I think my kids really like music, right? I tried to make them, you know, be musicians and made them take piano, but none of them have come, but they could, Sarah could, could be late bloomers. It could come back to it. Right. But um, just really. Um, and, and I think one of the things that had Robin Wood really helped is expose me to so much. So I feel like I have a very eclectic taste in music. And um, and I like that. I like to be able to take on new, listen to new things, listen to what my kids are listening to and just be open to it and not stuck in my, you know, I have, I have friends who only listen to yacht rock because that's all they remember. And I'm like, really? There's this whole world of music. So it's a huge source of my, I'd say, um, personal, you know, reflection, energizing um relaxation and motivation um, outside of their other things. Um, yeah, I love that. Me too, listening to music always. Um, I love listening to the radio actually. I'm really into like some college radio stations here, or local, like really local radio stations, which I love because it's more eclectic. Again, it's things that you don't hear commercially. But yeah, my other thing is I'm, like literally learning how to read music again. I am learning how to play the piano. I have my very I have fourth piano recital tomorrow. I'm like, I'm really, I'm into it way more than I ever would have dreamed, like that I wanna keep learning and it's blossoming still for me. Um, I'm in a few bands, um, some of them are noise bands. Um, so it's making sensitive noise. So it's all about, listening um which listening has always been a part of my practice but even more so now i'm into a deep listening practice um and 
that has, yeah, again, just like keeps music will continue to open my world to myself, but also to others, right? There's always that deep connection, soul connections. I'm, I'm meeting people still, you know, who I'm like, oh my God, I think we were meant to be together, that kind of feeling. And I feel like we bond because of music. Like there is something different that, that bonds us when we, um, when we connect through music. That's how I feel. Yeah. I mean, it's going to sound so similar, but music is still so much a part of my life. I can't imagine music not being part of my life. Like the other day I was in out after work with a couple of people and some jazz came on and that brought me back to being like 10 or 11 on Saturday mornings, riding in the car with my dad, listening to jazz. And so I would say like, it supports me in evoking incredible memories this connection to self. And then as you both said, connection to others through music. And it, I always say music is my soul, feeds my soul, nourishes my soul. You know, I too, like I have an old piano. It's never keeps a tune, but it feels so good to, like I lost how to read music. I'm trying, like I've been trying to get it back, but I've also been learning chords, which I never learned before. And just playing some songs I love by chords and I, my whole body gets into it. So it's this support system, I think, for being fully in body and out of my head, which I always love those opportunities. And, you know, I think of what, you know, music being a conduit to connect, I think it's a healer. Um, and like Sarah said, you know, you just, you meet people through it. I, these two know I went back this summer. Well, it wasn't, I mean, it's the last iteration of the dead called um, Dead and Company. And boy, was I transported. I mean, even though it's a new iteration of what was the Grateful Dead, I just felt myself as I am now, but transported back to being at those shows and feeling that freest part of myself. And that doesn't have to go away. I think that's the gift of music of what is brought up that we can keep carrying on. And I just find that it just truly fills me with so much love. Yeah. Well, thank you, everyone. Thank you, Deb. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you. Thanks for your great questions. Yeah, check out the playlist, everyone. It'll be on our link tree in our bio on our Instagram. Yeah, and some historic photos. Oh, yeah, there will be photos. <laughs> yeah, historic photos. Uh, thanks for being with us, everyone, and so much love to you, Sarah, and you, Deb. Yes, thank you, thank you. Hello. We're going to have a reunion out here, by the way. So, oh, yeah. yeah. We could do a live podcast. We could do a live podcast. <laughs> okay, yeah. thank you, okay. everyone. Take care.